Welcome back to the Policy Wonk Podcast. I'm here with Policy. And I'm here with Wonk. <laughs> Joe, what are we talking about today? Let's just get really right into it. Really right, right in. Right right off the bat. Right really, right, really wriggling right. in there. Yes. Worming in there. Worming. Um, so in Cleveland, there was a little bit of drama this past week. Yeah, it's Nick Chubb some... got hurt. <laughs> may, his, may his recovery be speedy. Yes. But... No, there was actual, like, drama politically within council and the People's Budget Committee. Or, well, the committee that's seeking to pass this charter amendment to the city charter. Basically, in November, there's going to be an amendment on the ballot for Clevelanders that's going to ask them to establish a People's Budget Committee. And essentially, what this will do is it would create an appointed committee of citizens that would help direct funds um, towards projects that they what what's the word that they, that they want to that they want to initiate yeah and but Joe this sounds really good this sounds really good sounds awesome end of story no just kidding <laughs> there's a lot of problems with it um, and we'll get into that in a bit but. Essentially, city council and the people from the People's Budget Committee were uh, were negotiating on a way to implement this in a different way, um, but they did not come to an agreement. Um, both sides walked out of negotiations, and here we are now, where now it's heading towards the November ballot. And like 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 Kale said, on its face, this this is a good idea. However. The amendment itself is very vague, and it's also, I think, very poorly thought out. It's almost like a like a freshman poli sci major wrote it. Yeah, i I have nothing but respect for people that do stuff like this, like try to oh, yeah. that try to get citizen led initiative, initiatives passed, especially ones that increase civic engagement. And or uh, tr- attempt to. At the end of the day, if it's implemented the right way and it's like well thought out, it would benefit the community too. It would. So like, awesome. But, but <laughs> like Kale said, th- we've both read the amendment. I've read it a lot because it's extremely confusing. It is. It is very poorly written. Yeah. <laughs> um. Again, there's not. One one of my main issues with it personally is that there's not a lot of clarity on where this money is coming from, and I've also been told by multiple different people um, where the money's coming from. <laughs> um, one person said that no, the money's not coming from the general fund, and then another person said no, it is coming from the general fund, and then another person said, well, it's coming from the general fund, but it could come from other places. But that's city council's problem. No, <laughs> it's kind of like not their problem, and. <laughs> Trust me, I will. I will hate on city council when they need to be hated on. Right. But, you, but when you're trying to establish this new committee that would really change how we do budgeting in this city, you can't. You can't just. You can't just push your problems to a very easy scapegoat. You, yeah. You can't just scapegoat city council because you have an issue with them. If something goes wrong with this, it is your fault. It's not anyone else's fault but your own because the amendment was not written in a in a clearer way and it was not thought out in a clearer way. Now, participatory budgeting is popular across the world. In North America, it's done in cities. I think Toronto does it 
and I know New York City does it yeah. in a extremely different way than what is proposed here. And yeah, I know vastly you know different more. way. I know you know more about how New York does it. It breaks it down like ward based. Each yeah. ward has to hop into this type of thing, and it's very, it's a little more top down than it is bottom up. But at the end of the day, it still benefits the community. Mm-hmm. And this vastly different. The whole to start off with, to to kind of get more in the details about the amendment itself and I am reading the exact ballot language. This is not from city council, this is not from PB Cleveland, this is not from any op-ed posted in any local newspaper, it's not from the scene, it's not from cleveland.com. This is the amendment itself and PB's budget would increase up to 2% by the fourth year. And from the advertising I have seen in favor of passing this charter amendment is a little deceptive. Elaborate. I've seen a lot of people that are for this, and I'm not sure if they're actually associated with the committee that's trying to pass this, but they, they, they say, one, it's coming from the ARPA funding, from the American Rescue Plan, mm-hmm. um, or two, it's just $14 million. Saying that makes it seem like, oh, we're just doing this for ARPA funding, or oh, it's just $14 million every year. But that's not the case. That's not the case. One, ARPA funding isn't going to last forever. Two, it's 2% by the fourth year. Which is a lot. Which is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Now, sure, as the tax base grows, hopefully, you know, that means all city services will still have the ability to collect the revenue they need to pay their employees and do what they need to do to keep us safe and to make the city functional still. But it's also growing the budget of the people's the people's budget committee which then we'd be basically legally obligated to fund but in what scenario let's say tax revenue goes down for a year uh, a recession hits or something i don't know what do we cut from if this money is coming from the general fund which it is which it, it is coming from the general fund because it says equivalent to two percent of the of the general fund it's not that it is it is very clear in the amendment itself. It is coming from the general fund. Mm-hmm. Unless you find some random source of revenue, which I don't even know if you could pull from because the amendment says the general fund. From me. I'll give the money to we'll the We'll give the money. <clears throat> but I'm going to keep saying the general fund because I'm sick of people telling me it's not coming from the general fund. It's and what makes it, the most sense. Yeah. It's the only place it could come from. Yeah. Now, Cleveland's unions, North Shore, AFL-CIO. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> um... <laughs> The EMS union. Shout out. Shout out. And other public sector unions in the city. Shout out. um, Have come out in opposition against this. And, you know, their their concerns should be heard and they shouldn't just be cast aside and be called fear mongers. Or, you know, they're using scare tactics to not get this Yeah, which is something that has been happening this week. Yeah. From places that are relatively respectable. Mm-hmm. Name calling yeah. is coming from people and entities that the community actually looks up to. Like yeah. somebody called a city councilman a jackass. Yeah. And look, that might be totally correct, but that's not a, that you can't throw a hissy fit when people are suddenly not on your side. Yeah. But like I was saying with our local unions coming out against it, their main concern is that well, if there's a year where we actually don't we're not getting as much tax revenue coming in whose budget are you cutting and then the response is well that's city council's that's city council's problem 
No, because they would still have the money available to them if we didn't have to fund the People's Budgeting Committee. And again, I'm not, f I'm not opposed to this idea. I think this is a really good idea. I think people should be involved in how our money is spent. Now, sure, that's why we elect counsel. That's just like a weird legal philosophy that some people have. But yeah, you know, this is a representative democracy. You elect people to represent your interests. That's what counsel does. But there should be a more direct way for people to have a say in where money is going to. And sure, participatory budgeting can do that. But the way that this amendment is written and the way that this amendment would operate if it was to pass is not, is frankly, is not it. Yeah. Um, it, it's just been, it's been a very weird week seeing this play out uh, locally in politics, but also online, because it's been a very <laughs> weird thing to, to, just, to just watch. Especially, like you said, seeing respectable news sources post articles that are really just people throwing a hissy fit. And I'm, yeah. I'm sorry to like say that, but it is just people throwing a hissy fit and looking for someone to blame, uh, for, quite frankly, for their own faults. Um, and I want to make it clear. I'll make it clear again. No issue with, with the people trying to push for this. But you can't just cast aside everyone's concerns and just call them jackasses or call them fear mongerers or, say, or just straight up say that your concerns aren't valid. We're, we're going to go forward with this anyways. You can't. You're being a jackass. Yeah. If you're, not, if you're not genuinely listening to people's concerns and taking them into account and having good conversations with them, you're the jackass if you're not doing that. And honestly, um, if it takes a year to figure out a better way to word things to like further think it out but on the ballot next year we've we've gone this far without participatory budgeting in this city we can go one more year and that's what or I'm two yeah and that's what i'm saying we can do this we should do this but we can't just pass shit just to pass it mm -hmm. you have to plan this out progressives are already seen as pie in the sky hippies right this yeah. is something we've dealt with because you are time. liberal yeah you know since 2016 <laughs> but we need well thought out policy mm -hmm. to get things passed and to get the public on our side the same thing you know i make the same argument when i'm talking about electoral reform we can't just change something to change it you really have to think these things out because it might be a long time till you get to do that again it's like it's what's going to end up happening it's going to pass as is. It's going to backfire. It's going to be a problem. And then either people are going to be pissed or it's going to have to go through a very long, sluggish, like very, very, very slow moving process of reform to get it right. Yeah. And I'd rather just skip that altogether and start on the right foot with a well thought out plan. And this ain't it. <laughs> But honestly, Joe, it might have to be pushed through really fast within the next year or year or two. Because state senator, Jer Bear. Jer Bear. Jerry shout Serino. Out, shout out. Hey, Jerry. Intends to, this is according to the Cleveland scene, intends to rush Senate Bill 158, which would ban participatory budgeting 
throughout the state. Why? Because... This is like the thing where they wanted to, like, ban protected bike yep. lanes. It's just because. It's, um... Well, Republicans are, you know, the party of, quote-unquote, small government, and then telling cities they can't use protected bike lanes or ban plastic bags or uh, pass rent control. Which is weird, because Ohio has a very long history of being a home rule state. Yeah. And Republicans in our state have been very adamant about that. Like, DeWine vetoed a state ban on, like, flavored nicotine or something like that because cities were already doing that and it would have messed up their bans. He cited the fact that Ohio's got a tradition of being a home rule state. But then you get shit like Senate Bill 158, which would ban participatory budgeting. Which, again, I don't have an issue with participatory budgeting in theory. I just have an issue with this amendment. Mm-hmm. But also, Jerry Serino has a power issue. And uh, honestly, every state Republican and mo- most of them in the state house have an issue with that. But, you know, these kinds of things should be left to the cities. They should be left to counties. Why, why are we preventing Cleveland from passing rent control? Why should we prevent any city in this state from passing a participatory budgeting rule? Well, this little, this little clip is from uh, Cleveland.com now. This is a quote from Jer Bear. He said, I think this is a situation where the state house needs to step in, lest other cities think they can do it as well. Well, one, they can, because, you know, home rule for one. Two, it's beneficial yeah. when it's thought out the right way. And then he said, so it's not just about Cleveland. If this were to happen in Cleveland, I think it's such a bad idea. I wouldn't want to see it come up anywhere else. So to me, he's bashing Cleveland, which I want to remind everybody is not in his district. Yeah. He does not, not represent Cleveland at all. He did grow up here, though. That don't matter. That don't matter. That don't matter. <laughs> he doesn't represent Cleveland, but he's he's almost speaking for it. Yeah. And then that second part where he said, if this were to happen in Cleveland, I think it's such a bad idea. Blah, blah, blah. Look, Jerry just thinks it's such a bad idea. He just thinks it's such a bad idea. It's like he, it's like he do, one, doesn't trust the judgment of the people of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Two, he's like, well, if Cleveland's doing it, it must be bad. You could say that about anything. Yeah, you could say that about anything. You say that about... They have an NFL team, therefore the city must be bad. And the NFL must be bad. Football we, must be bad. Yeah. Serena hates football. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. That's a logical conclusion. I don't think that that's true. No, At least I hope true. it's not true. Football's a cool sport. But issue 38, <laughs> a lot, I'm sure a lot more will happen before November, and we will, we, oh, trust me, we will be keeping up on that. It's just so, it's so juicy. Yeah. For almost no reason. For no reason. It should be boring. It's, it's a local politics issue. Yeah. And, but it's, it's so, like, there's, like we said, people are getting name called. The, the two different camps that are starting to form are, like, weird like weird coalitions are building on one side or the other. Yeah, it's crazy. People are taking a step away from what they normally would do. Mm-hmm. Like I would normally support progressive pol- politics, but I'm not. I'm not supporting the way this is right now. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I don't live here. I don't vote here. I mean, I do live here, but I don't vote here. Mm-hmm. So it's not my call. But moving on to the next uh, Groundhog oh, Day oh, oh God. issue. 
this has been on the show how many times? Oh how many times have we just put the word redistricting in the show notes? I would say probably at least 50% of our episodes. Because it comes down to what, Ohio, Wisconsin. We yeah. talked about Alabama. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. But we're redistricting again. Hallelujah, maybe? Woo! No, probably not, though. <clears throat> well, so last, last night... Um, the Ohio Redistricting Commission finally met after being totally unable of uh, finding co-chairs. But they met, and two maps were submitted by uh, Nikki Antonio and Allison Rousseau, uh, Democratic leaders in the state Senate and the state House. Their maps were immediately rejected as working drafts for the committee uh, by a party-line vote of 4-2. And then... Funnily enough, the Republican working maps were adopted on along party lines, four to two, as the working draft. And then the committee adjourned. <laughs> um, they, they set public hearing dates as they're, as they're obligated to by the Constitution, the I Ohio think, Constitution. I think we're wanting to go. I think, we're wanting, I think we are going. I think we are. Because it's only about a 40-minute drive from downtown. Yeah, I can do it's that. It's in Geauga County. We'll post where the where the public hearings are if anyone's interested. And Policy Wonk fan meetup <laughs> Policy at Wonk. the Ohio Redistricting Commission public po- hearing. Policy Wonk meet and greet. <laughs> um, but yeah, so to no one's surprise, the Republican maps that were accepted as the working drafts for the committee Pardon. are absolutely bonkers. They're insane. Bonkers is putting it nicely. They're... They're incumbent manders and also gerrymanders, obviously. They're really, really bad. Um, what are the partisan liens of each map? Do you have them pulled up? I have a map pulled up. I it know. is the proposed working Republican House map. It's the only one I have pulled up. I know I know the House map favors Republicans in, like, over 60 districts. Listen, I know that the House map, the Republican House map takes my house district which is southern franklin county right Mm -hmm. and it goes from the like on the on the west side of franklin county down along the southern border up east side yeah it's like a big u i know that they split it into two which probably would effectively make it either adding an additional republican seat or just making it two republican seats because right now my representative is a democrat Mm mm-hmm He's a Democrat. He's also really cool, and he's been our Democrat. Like, he's been our Democrat. He's been our House rep for quite a while. Yeah. Well, <gasps> yeah. Sorry. The new maps. Um, they make me cry. Here, seeing the excuses put out online by either national GOP figures or statewide GOP figures is also insane to me because they always call the maps that are submitted by Democrats Democratic gerrymanders. But they still favor Republicans in fifty-five seats, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> because in in a Repub- in the state Republicans world, any map that is remotely fair or matches the partisan breakdown of this state is somehow a gerrymander. I mean, there's other Ohio political podcasts out there that that said that it's Democrats stealing elections when Republicans still have the majority for one. Yeah. Two, it's just a fair map. They don't have. Like what the proposed House District 44 is in Toledo, where it's like perfect 
along the western portion of Lucas County. And then it, like, follows the highway to Ottawa County. It's basically doing what Democrats did in Chicago. Yeah. In, like, 2003. Because they have to be contiguous. But they don't have to, like, continuously follow where people live. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's a seat there's a seat that exists now that literally uses the lake to split a democratic county or at least a more moderate county into another district possibly It's crazy and here we are again we were talking about this 2 years ago when we had to redistrict the congressional maps and our state house maps and then they all got thrown out and then we elected representatives under un- unconstitutional maps that's not me saying it. That is the state Supreme Court saying it. And then here we are again and in the exact <laughs> same scenario. What's going to change this time? That's, that's what I'm thinking. What's going to change? I think they might concede Dayton finally. Um, God, I hope. That might be it. I know a lot of, actually, a lot of Republicans that were in Biden districts have been drawn into solid Trump districts. Um, And then a lot of Democrats have been moved into more competitive districts. Because that's fair. Right, yeah. Obviously. You know what we should do? Hmm. We should make our own maps. I make maps in my free time. Well, there is a... On the redistricting commission website, there is a portion where you can submit a map to be considered, to be looked at, to be whatever. So if you think that you can do a better job than these Republicans at the state house, which you probably can, yeah, submit them, please, <laughs> or send them to us, and we'll submit them on your behalf. Yeah. But I think, listen, this weekend. Ohio State and Notre Dame football game. Yes. Big deal for my me and my family. I'm going to go home, and during halftime of the game, I'm going to just crank out a map as fast as I can and submit it, and I bet it'll be better. It probably would. I mean that genuinely. I think it probably would be better. Even if I don't finish, it'll probably still be better. Yeah. <laughs> There's just people that don't have representation. Sorry, Athens. Sorry, Athens. Because whenever I do redraw maps, I always end up doing the uh, southeastern part of the state last. It's just so hard. Yeah, no, it is. It's 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 geography and also there, there's a lot that goes into map map making. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's programs out there that legislators can use to literally gerrymander. Can go to the house to the individual. And gerrymander them out of their old district and put them into a new one. <laughs> it's happened in Texas. They they literally draw people run, that that were intending to run out of their district, so then they have to either file paperwork again, or now they're they're in a safe district with an incumbent, and there's not gonna they're not gonna win. And that's the crazy part. Rob McCauley, Senator Rob McCauley, and House Representative Loray get to pick their own constituents. During this process. Mm-hmm. That's, pardon my French, that's fucked up. Which is why next year there's going to be a ballot measure on the ballot, hopefully, to swap out the politician commission we have now for a actual independent citizen redistricting commission. So that, I don't know, maybe the state wouldn't have a Republican supermajority. Because while this state, look, 
This state is a center-right-leaning state. It is not Montana. It is not Idaho. It is not Kentucky. It is not any of the Dakotas. It is not a Republican supermajority state. I can it's tell a, you that. It is a solid Midwest state yeah. in 2023. Yep. And, I mean, I've, I've said this on the show before. I say it to you all the time. I say it on social media all the time. Statewide Republicans, with the exception of the DeWine-Naley race, they only win with, like, 53% of the vote. But, for some reason, Republicans control 70-plus percent of both chambers. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's, and I know we talk about it a lot, and it is an issue nationwide. Democrats do it in Illinois, so they're gonna, they're about to do it in New York. But, you know, this is something that affects all of us. This is something that affects Democrats in Ohio, Democrats in Mississippi, but it also affects Republicans in California, Republicans in New York, Republicans in Illinois. This thing affects all of us, and we can't have a well-functioning democracy if politicians are picking their own constituents mm-hmm. and then they're they're enacting policies that reflect their their gerrymandered districts but overall are out of step with the majority of people in the state and then you're you're not going to see people that are middle of the road republicans or maybe you know maybe a little bit more conservative democrats you know, you wouldn't have the Dan Troys in the state house, where you know they're doing what they think is best for their for their district, mm-hmm. and they're not they're not playing stupid political fights. They're actually trying to get shit done that benefits people. Yep. 100%. Instead, you're going to get more shit like issue one, the old issue one, <laughs> or you know, cons- constitutional carry, quote unquote, or, or banning you know, participatory budgeting. Yeah. Just for shits and gigs. Or. You know, whatever, what, whatever red meat is floating around in the national media exactly. about the culture war. Exactly. So fair districts affects everyone, whether you're a Democrat or Republican or an, ind- or an independent. Shit, even if you don't vote, your life is affected by the government in some way. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, your district should probably reflect your neighbors. Yeah, listen, I'm... Sorry, northern Ashtabula County shouldn't be drawn in the same district as fucking Geauga. Excuse my language. Well, that's not even the craziest. I'm looking at the Macaulay LeRae Senate map. Senate District 26 has Sandusky, you know, northern part of the state, on Lake Erie, mm-hmm. in the same district as Union County, which is a, like, there are Columbus suburbs in Union County. Yep. There's no way that those are communities that share the same interests. Yeah. Hancock County, maybe, but Union County is grouped in with Marion, Wyandotte, Crawford, Sandusky, and a couple other counties. But there's no way in hell that they have a shared interest. Sandusky and Union, maybe a little bit. But Crawford, no. And it's the same with uh, the, the, the district that you were talking about. Senate District 2. Splits. Like, Ottawa doesn't border Erie County, really. Mm-hmm. But they use the lake to, to, to do yep. that. That's so crazy. Yeah. And sure, legally that is technically allowed. I don't care. But that is still insane. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, theoretically, you could connect Ashtabula and Toledo, hell, if you wanted to. I mean, theoretically, I've created some crazy dem gerrymanders where <laughs> where I connect Cleveland to Cincinnati somehow. Actually, no, that was a Republican gerrymander. That's right. 
I put the three C's in one district. You're trying to get like a VRA um, <laughs> violation speed run. Listen, it's Any it's percent. actually it's actually quite fun. If you are in fact a genuine policy wonker and you are and you care about redistricting as much as as our friend Joe here does, redrawing maps is just so fun. You if can do just, some crazy stuff with them. Yeah, but we'll. The, the, I I fully believe there'll be more to say about that. Oh yeah, because oh boy, we're just getting started. Yeah, we're just getting started with this whole process, and it's going to be like pulling teeth, just like it was two years ago, just like it was last year, and just like it probably will always be until we pass an actual independent redistricting commission. For those listening, I I just rolled my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. But Joe, moving on to some national news. Do you want to do the funny thing first or the serious and kind of cool thing first? What do you want to talk about? Let's talk about our... Let's talk about our boys over in UAW. Word. That's the big cool thing. That is the big cool thing because United Auto Workers and uh, workers. <laughs> I was trying to figure out a way to say that without saying workers twice, but eh, it don't matter. But they they went on strike, or at least their factory after factory is going on strike as the big three automakers fail to negotiate a fair contract with uh, UAW. And that would be. Ford, GM, and Stellantis, right? Yes. Who owns... Stellantis is a Belgian company mm-hmm. that owns Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, those are the big three. And yeah. they're going on strike. They're calling it the stand-up strike. Yep. And it's a reference to a UAW, a huge UAW strike 100 years ago called the sit-down strike. And you know what? I just think that's creative. That is I like very it. creative. I like it. But this is from the Detroit News. So negotiations have been ongoing during the strike as well, but as as the as the you know the clock starts to tick down closer and closer, UAW is you know directing employees at other plants to go on strike because you know if you if you're not going to give us a fair wage then we're we're not we're not working. So their contract ended. Thursday, the week of, I forget, last week. Yeah. Their contract ended, I believe, Thursday night, and the strike started on Friday, Mm -hmm. something like that. And it started at the three main plants. So for Stellantis, that was in Toledo, Ohio, where they make Jeeps. Um, Ford in Detroit, and GM in somewhere in Missouri. I always forget how to pronounce the name, so I'm not even going to try. Yeah, yeah. But those three plants. And then as time goes on and, you know, the big three are kind of, you know, not budging on anything, mm-hmm. they're just going to call on more local unions, go on strike, and shut down more plants. Yep. Like one in Buffalo that I saw recently. Yeah. And if anyone's curious, um, so, the, like, one example that um, UAW Vice President Mike Booth gave about how the wages have not been keeping up with one the amount of work they're doing but also inflation um so temp temps at gm's factories start at about sixteen sixty seven per hour once that temp actually gets a permanent full-time job their wage goes to 18 dollars an hour i can tell <laughs> you one thing 
if you're making cars, eighteen sixty seven is not enough. I or make, eighteen dollars is not enough. I make three dollars less than that mm-hmm. per hour lifeguarding at my college pool. I make fifteen fifty an hour as a barista. I have coworkers that make eight, that make more than eighteen dollars an hour at doing the you know, and again, I'm not we shouldn't be comparing our jobs and our, you know, our work to justify, oh, I should be getting paid more than you. But it is saying, why why aren't people getting paid more in general? In general. Yeah. Like, I know I get paid. Yeah. Not really enough. Mm-hmm. And, like, the th- dangers that I face on the job aren't nearly as great as those at a, you know, car factory. Yeah. Pretty much. Depends on what they're doing, but it's crazy. Yeah. Um, there have been some progress at the at these bargaining sessions between UAW and these big three automakers, but, you know, post, post-2008 recession, a lot, of, a lot of people lost their pensions and health care requirements, or um, their, their retirements and their health care. And a lot of these automakers are not addressing that issue. It's never been fixed, and it's still ongoing. One, you know, people have families. A lot, like, I'm dependent on my dad for my health care. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these workers have children and, and families that, they, that are also relying on their health care. Two, you know, you, we're, we're, going, we're going into the fall and winter season. Flu's going to kick up again. COVID's going to kick. COVID has been kicking up again. And you're just... You're doing nothing to address their concerns about health care when they have families, they have kids, they have they probably have immunocompromised family members that need mm-hmm. this health care. Mm-hmm. And you're doing nothing, you do nothing to address their concerns. So no wonder why they went on strike. It's, I mean, at coffee hour, Nelson said it's been a while since there was a, a big arm flexing union like the size of UAW that yeah. went on strike. Like obviously SAG AFTRA and the Writers Guild yeah. is a big strike and Starbucks goes on strike every so often. Mm-hmm. Like there are still strikes. Teachers unions go on strikes. Yeah. But they're not nearly as powerful as UAW. Yeah. Like we haven't I think right now is a really interesting time because yeah, you have you have a lot of actors and actresses on strike you have basically no you have no late night tv you have a lot of shows that are not going back into production for a while you have movies not being made for a while now because everyone's on strike and you know now uaw is going on strike you know the possibility of maybe other industries going on strike as well Mm -hmm. and to quote to quote a you know, a, what's the word? To, qu- to quote someone I look up to, Sherrod Brown, you know. Sherrod. Everyone has dignity in their work. It doesn't matter what you do. I don't exactly. care if you flip burgers. I don't care if you're a lawyer. I don't care if you're a barista, if you're a teacher or whatever. Whatever you do, you have, you have dignity in your job. And no one can tell you otherwise. You deserve to be paid for however much you think you deserve to be paid. Mm-hmm. 
your pay shouldn't be the minimum wage. No one's pay should be the federal minimum wage, I can tell you that. <laughs> no, one, no one's pay should be below, quite frankly, $20 per hour. Based. But I, I hope, you know, I hope that they, they get their contract, a contract that they deserve, that is fair, that restores their, you know, hopefully expands their retirement funds and expands their health care, but also increases their wages finally. And, you know, Mike Booth said this, again, this is according to uh, the D- Detroit News. Mm-hmm. He said, this is a quote, The truth is almost everything the labor movement has achieved was won because workers stood together on picket lines against incredible odds and demanded better working conditions and a better way of life from their employers. And that's that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Sums up not just the UAW strike, but Writers Guild, all the other strikes that are currently going on, strikes that went on within the last year and a half. And strikes that might happen in the future. Yeah. And I think that this is really good for labor as a whole because it's kind of putting what labor can do for the average worker, like, front and center. Mm -hmm. It's on social media everywhere. It's on the news every day. And it just is going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And it teaches people our age benefits of organized labor mm-hmm. how like like there is there is power in a union like and and how you know walking the picket line looks yeah like it just looks cool but, it does it does look cool but it's like how how life would be better with union membership mm-hmm. and like within the last what like five years we've seen union membership and like the numbers are increasing yeah nationwide Mm -hmm. impressive yeah and it's i it is it is nice to see that people are finally standing up and realizing that they have a stand up strike yeah (laughs) that people are realizing i deserve more i deserve to be paid more i deserve to have a workplace that is not toxic that is Mm -hmm. safe and that i like coming to every day that's a good way to end that one. Yeah, I think so. Let's talk about something funny. You you, you take the lead on this one, Kill. I'm just going to read this headline real quick. Uh, this is New York Magazine. <laughs> Lauren Boebert can't shake the Beetlejuice groping debacle. <laughs> I think the Founding Fathers are rolling in their grave right now. Do you, do you think so? One... Uh, Beetlejuice, wow. They would love Beetlejuice. Two, they just, would, just wow. They would love Beetlejuice. That's funny. But what what what, what did uh what did what did what did Bobert do? What 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 happened, Kel? What I don't did, know. I don't know what happened. What didn't she do? Who are you asking? Are you asking me? Or oh, are you no. asking her? No, I'm asking you. You're asking me. I'll call I'll call Bobert's office later and ask what's going on. <laughs> So she got kicked out of a Beetlejuice performance for a number of things. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of layers to this There's story. A lot of layers. It's like an onion. It's like a. It's like Shrek. Yeah. Um. She was vaping. According to her, she was singing. She got a little too into the musical. 
Um, yeah, she did get a little bit too into the <clears throat> musical. She got a little. She got a little hot and bothered. Yeah. Um, she was fondling her partner's genitals, mm-hmm. and he was doing the same to her breast, and it was all on camera. Multiple <laughs> angles. Multiple as well. angles. You can't. You can't argue against it. You can't say it's fake, fake news. Nothing. Straight up on camera. 100%. All of it. Yeah. She's also vaping in front of a pregnant woman. And then when the woman asked, can you not do that? Lauren Boebert kept vaping in front of this pregnant woman. <laughs> Which, one, didn't know Lauren Boebert vaped. But... Hold on. You don't, like, see her and assume that she vapes? I thought she might have been more of, like, a camel crush type person. Wow. Marlboro. Marlboro. Virginia Slims. That's a fancy... You know, that's like a fancy lady cigarette. She's from Colorado, though. Not that Colorado. What are you trying to fancy. say about the people of Colorado? No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> not not to say anything about people that smoke Virginia Slims. I was thinking more along the lines of maybe a West Coast brand. Oh right, Rocky Mountain brand. Hmm. She's not winning re-election. She's not winning re-election. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> She's definitely not. Because so, if anyone's paying attention to the 2022 uh, House elections, Lauren Boebert nearly lost her district. She only won by around 500 votes. And that was on, like, the third recount? Yeah. The, by the third recount, because Something it was like less than 0.5% of a difference between uh, Lauren Boebert and Adam Frisch. Shout out to Adam Frisch. He has one of the funniest campaign ads against Lauren Boebert. But even when Boebert was first elected to Congress in 2020... I believe that's right. Yeah. She only she only won with 51% of the vote. Now, to be fair, a libertarian candidate named John Keel took away about 10,000 votes from her, about 2.3% of the vote. But still, she's never really been liked by her district. Which is a good thing for Democrats, But also, clearly. like, I mean, honestly, also just the people of Colorado and the people <laughs> of the third district of Colorado. Yeah. Because her district is... It is rural Colorado. We're talking like her district covers the western portion of the state. It goes from its border with what's above Colorado? Wyoming? Yeah. Viominge, according to that one video. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but so the, the, the most northern part of her district shares a border with Wyoming, goes down, and then shares a border with New Mexico. Or, yeah. She's a border with New Mexico, and then on the west, it's rural Colorado. Yeah. No one tried to judge my horrific geography skills at the moment. I mean, Colorado is basically, it's a rectangle, yeah. right? And it's, it's like roughly a third of that rectangle. Yeah, it's, it's about... It's got Aspen yeah. in the district. But... I I think she I think she nearly lost mostly because of her um, bullshit with January sixth and trying oh. to overthrow the federal government. See, <laughs> you the back half of that sentence didn't actually need to happen. You could have just said her bullshit in general. <laughs> but after this, after all of this happening, either one she's going to be asked to not run again, or two she's being primaried, or three she just loses to Adam Frisch again. Hopefully, do you want to primary Lauren Boebert? You want to move to Aspen? Can I move to Colorado? 
Can we move Policy Wonk to Colorado? To Aspen, Colorado? Policy Wonk International Headquarters, Aspen, Colorado. I can't see, I can't think of Aspen without thinking of the movie Dumb and Dumber. So we can, I don't think I could live there. What we can do is we can create like a company town in Aspen, but it would be like <laughs> cool and not like evil. It would be union based instead of company based? Yeah. The combined syndicates of Policy Wonk. <laughs> Shout out Paradox Interactive Games. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, one, I'm looking at a map of Colorado, and I think it's interesting that there is a city in Colorado called Trinidad. I love how we just name cities after foreign countries or other cities in Europe or, like, anywhere else in the world. That's It's, it's so weird. That's so cool how we do that. But Glasses are coming off, everyone. Ooh. I'm getting serious. Ooh. But the second, a little more serious part of my, my little take here, control of the house could come down to it, Bobert's district. It literally could. Now, it probably it's so won't. close. Yeah. And, like, you know, George Santos isn't winning re-election. Well, because he's probably going to get drawn out of his district. <laughs> listen, listen. Democrat gerrymanders are crazy. Yeah. But, I mean, not to get too sidetracked, but George Santos's district was solid blue yeah. since, like, 2009, mm-hmm. something like that. He was, like, an anomaly. Yeah. So, hopefully it just goes back to normal. But it could come down to a couple seats. Yeah. And one of those seats is going to be Lauren Bobert's. Which is so funny to think third about. Third Colorado district. Crazy times. But it's been a, it's been a really weird week. <clears throat> I feel like it's only going to get weirder. It's only going to get weirder. Between now and November, oh and then from God. November to next November. Yeah, there's always... Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to start doing some <laughs> primary coverage soon. Ooh, that's gonna be fun. Very exciting. Maybe we'll go to some uh, Chris Christie rallies. We should go to a Chris Christie rally. I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed. He's not insane. Correct. He's also funny. He's very funny. I like the video of him where he's like, "I'm not gonna lose an Eminem," on like Jimmy Fallon's show. And you know what? I believe him. He did not lose an M&M. He would, that man would not lose an M&M. I wouldn't lose an M&M. I wouldn't and lose I don't an even M&M. like M&Ms. Yeah. But <laughs> thank you for listening. We, we're excited to go into this election cycle again. Once again. It's ramping up. It's ramping up. It's ramping up. And, man, we'll see you guys next week. We will. Goodbye. Wonk Nation. Goodbye, policy. Goodbye, Wonk. Wonk Nation, represent. <laughs>